Greetings and welcome to the This Book Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Holly. And uh, we are here to uh, pray and discuss the elections for the Sunday closest to October 26, proper 25, year C. Um, we kind of do this Lexio Divina style, um, reading it once, listening for a word, phrase, or image that... Uh, pops up for us, we turn it over in our hearts, pondering it like, like Mary, and then sort of wonder aloud uh, as to uh, what it's trying to uh, show us about ourselves, our relationship to our neighbor, relationship to God's good creation, and of course, uh, God and God's self. So, Open with praying the call it for Holy Scriptures and then get to it. Okay. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to see what uh, Marion Hatchett has to say about this calling to Holly, but what do you hear? That we may obtain what God promises. That we may actually hold on to or receive, take it into, into our hands. Um, So I think there's the dual reality there of uh, the constant availability of what God promises and uh, our, our necessity and our, our call to receive it. Yeah, our consent to it, say yes to it, mm-hmm. all that. Faith, hope, and charity are the three theological virtues, right? Correct. Isn't that the term? Uh-huh. Paul's take the greatest of these is love or charity so make us love what you command yeah it's interesting because um, you know I was was listening to Rowan Williams uh, talking about Madeline Delbrell do you know her? Mm-hmm. French social worker, in like 1904 to 1964. Sort of inspired by Charles de Foucault, who was martyred. Um, the sort of, but this this woman who brought together sort of con- contemplation and action in the streets of Paris. Um, 
And um, she's known for uh, writing these sort of aphoristic little phrases, um, which is not how my mind works. I'm not going to be able to represent it well. But one of her aphorisms that Williams particularly liked was something like, um, when we encounter the, our neighbor, the other, um, we give the gift of self, not the gift-wrapped self. Mm -hmm. And so then Williams went on to sort of explain that often much of what the church does in the name of uh, charity uh, is kind of a, a gift-wrapping of the self that <clears throat> probably serves the person serving more than it does the person served. Mm -hmm. This kind of gift-wrapped image of oneself as, as the giver. Mm -hmm. yeah. As the helper, as one who serves the poor, as yeah. a good Christian. All that. Yeah. Uh, and so when we hear charity, we don't think, we think sort of in those terms, I think, of like what good people do to people who need stuff. There's a reaching down to people below your station, let's Correct. say, implied. Right. Rather than actually encountering someone face-to-face, -face, both of you in need. Both of you equally in need, yeah. Uh, and you in, in need of God's love as much as the, the next person. Mm -hmm. right? So there's this, this great democracy of, uh, of grace and need when we actually wake up to our true human situation. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, Madeline Del Brell, I think is how you say it, mm. kind of a, kind of an amazing person and a wonderful example and also a good writer who kind of like has a knack for getting you where you live over and over again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty pretty amazing. Mm. Gift wrapped self versus the gift of self is. You're putting an image. Yes. Uh, in that encounter with someone that there's, <laughs> you can't actually meet them uh, when you're busy trying to use them. See to, yourself a certain way. Yeah, use them to create the image that you need to yeah. be created, how you need to be seen, how you need to see yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. She's she's it's really good. Um, Hackett says the me message is clear and forthright. Only if we love what God commands can we render cheerful obedience. And for this, we need the gifts of faith, hope, and charity. The Latin form has that we may deserve to obtain what you promise, but Cranmer eliminated any idea of merit from the collect, <laughs> as Cranmer is wont to do. It's good. He's always pushing on that, that earning of what is freely given in true sort of Reformation fashion. So. I don't think anything else. Do you? Do you have anything else? Good. No. Okay. Joel. Joel. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God. 
For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain, as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so speaking of earning and merit, you know, I was, I was, it's those great lines about the, <laughs> the swarming locust, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter. My great army. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of wondering, like pondering what, in the economy of grace, what's the hopper, the, the cutter, the destroyer, the locust? Mm-hmm. And I kind of wondered whether the whole idea of um, the spiritual life as um, like a self-improvement project, this endless dribble wheel with me and my mm-hmm. efforts at the center, I do well or badly, If that's not the cutter, the hopper, mm-hmm. the locust, the destroyer, um, like when we get to the gospel, there's this interesting, like right off the bat, Jesus is talking to people who trusted themselves, and because they trusted themselves, viewed others with contempt. <laughs> and so it's just like, it's like cause effect relationship between trusting in yourself and your own efforts and um, denigrating others, mm-hmm. right? creating divisions, uh, looking down your nose. And I, and I think in, in Joel, it's like that's, that's this like the barren place where the mm-hmm. fruitfulness of God's work in us, wine vats and threshing floors full of God's ever-present mercy and grace, right? Um, that gets overlooked, sidestepped somehow, um, and um, bad things result. Um, I don't know, that was just one way I was kind of hearing that this time. Sure. The, the ending piece, of course, is just 
you know, we pray that in the suffrages and right in the morning prayer, pour out your spirit on all flesh. Mm-hmm. But the, um, despite the gendered language, I, you know, I think it's, it's meant to be all, mm-hmm. all language. So old, young, free, slave, free, slave. It's poured out on all the, the siblings of God, right? Mm-hmm. The children of God. So, um, and that they are uh, dreaming dreams. You know, I think Bishop Crew would probably say something like that God's dream for the world might be dreamed in and through them mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and prophesy not as like lottery numbers that you can play on Wednesday in the, in the lotto, but uh, I think that twofold aspect, right, of clear-sighted ability to uh, see, recognize, name the current situation as it is, and the consequences of mm-hmm. continuing in that way. Uh, and then prophecy, prophecy also as the imaginative capability to um, imagine and then uh, work to construct alternative futures than the one that's happening. Playing itself out. Playing itself out here is. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a vision of how things could be different. Yeah. How God's dream could be enacted. Right. Yeah. But I think it, yeah, I think it also comes from clear seeing in the present and being able mm-hmm. to diagnose, like, what are the root causes of why the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the alien, the land are not being looked after? Yeah. Well, self-concern or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, so those two, those right. two aspects are, are one side. Of the prophecy, yeah. yes. Yeah. Because I think you most, can't see an alternate future until you understand the one. Well, that's just science fiction, or you know, Lord yeah. of the Rings. Uh, sorry, Tolkien fans. <laughs> uh, no, but like, yeah, that's just fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and not prophecy. Prophecy is more than just pie in the sky idealism. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, I'm, I can't recall his name. It was the early 1900s Anglican missiologist. Uh, he has this great line, it takes the whole world to know the whole gospel. Uh, and yeah. he's talking about um, rendering the gospel message in terms that can be heard by people in every context, in every culture. Yeah. Uh, well, that's interesting to apply to this this pouring out of flesh, pouring out of spirit on all kinds of flesh, uh, so that you can hear the gospel back from in in and through them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in all these different subjective locations. That's what a good Bible study is, honestly. Uh-huh. Cross generational, all different kinds of folks, young, old.
God being in the midst, obviously, mm-hmm. a big part of this. Um, I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. Yeah. There's no other God, but I also wondered. There's a way in which when everybody is kith and kin of one another, everybody's part of the one body, mm-hmm. deserved member of the beloved community, that there is no other in the sense that nobody is like othered in mm-hmm. the way that word has been used as a verb now. Mm-hmm. No one kind of uh, cast out, yeah. shoved aside. There is no outsider when I'm in the midst. When everyone is yeah, yeah a part of each other, then there is no other. So a center that does not create a periphery. Yeah, that's the... Is that... Whose definition of God is that? Isn't that center? A circle whose center is everywhere in circumference, nowhere. nowhere. Yes. (laughs) It sounds like geometry to me, Uh which is horrifying, but (laughs) I get the point he's trying to make. I think it's Burma. Somebody look that up and check it out. Should we pray the psalm? Mm, together or sure. responsibly or what? Yeah, responsibly. Okay. Uh, every other verse. So Psalm 65. You are to be praised, O God, in Zion. To you shall vows be performed in Jerusalem. To you that hear prayer shall all flesh come because of their transgressions. Our sins are stronger than we are, but you will blot them out. Happy are they whom you choose and draw to your courts to dwell there. They will be satisfied by the beauty of your house, by the holiness of your temple. Awesome things will you show us in your righteousness, O God of our salvation. O hope of all the ends of the earth and of the seas that are far away. You make fast the mountains by your power, they are girded about with might. You still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the clamor of the peoples. Those who dwell at the ends of the earth will tremble at your marvelous signs, You will make the dawn and the dusk to sing for joy. You visit the earth and water it abundantly. You make it very plenteous. The river of God is full of water. You prepare the grain, for so you provide for the earth. You drench the furrows and smooth out the ridges. With heavy rain, you soften the ground and bless its increase. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths overflow with plenty. May the fields of the wilderness be rich for grazing, and the hills be clothed with joy. May the meadows cover themselves with flocks, and the valleys cloak themselves with grain. Let them shout for joy and sing. So kind of the, like a twofold movement in, in that, like in the beginning is the, um, to you that, here, prayer shall all flesh come because of their transgressions. So there's this, this, there's this uh, a recognition of um, sinfulness, separation, alienation from God. Mm-hmm. And then um, the second half of the psalm, uh, like to me, is like this, uh, like coda to the the Joel passage, you know, like the. The wine bats full, the threshing floors overflowing. Mm-hmm. So there's this dynamic of like recognition of 
need that when voiced and met by God's love flips into um, this like sort of extravagant Plenty. Plenty, abundance, fruitfulness. The psalmist song is part of the Requiem Mass. Mm. I recognize the first verses from from singing it there. And it's interesting to think of. We all return to God Mm. uh, in in death as well as... uh, Potentially, hopefully, in every moment. And, yeah, both the, uh, the reality of our, our weakness and failure and shortcoming and sinfulness and, and yet the overcoming power of God's desire to draw us to God's courts. Mm. Happy are they who dwell in the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And now it's happier they whom you choose and, and draw to your mm-hmm. courts. So there's this like magnetic lure of kind of mm-hmm. God's love. Carl Barth would say that God chooses everyone, universal election. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, But that even, you know, happier they dwell, like you could think, well, I've got to dwell in the house of the Lord. That's my work that I have to do. Mm -hmm. Or when I'm doing my... If I do it well, then... Yeah. Or your prayer can be trying to get to some other place, Mm -hmm. other state, uh, called the, you know, house of the Lord, the courts of the Lord. Well... Mm -hmm. What if actually being there is God's work in you, like the drawing, Mm -hmm. letting God draw you in? To you that hear prayer shall all flesh come because of their transgressions. We, (laughs) part of our drawing is our need. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, happy fault, right? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I like about the psalm is usually flood imagery in the psalms in the Old Testament is scary. Mm. Um, and here it is preparing the earth for fruitfulness. Softening the ground. Mm-hmm. So the image of primal chaos, which a lot of the Psalms talk about God oh. <laughs> enclosing the sea and, and building mm. these barriers against the flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is in the flood too. Mm. You crown the year with your goodness. Yeah, and leaven, like, you drench the furrows and smooth out the ridges with heavy rain. You soften the ground and bless its increase. 
you know, like, you can also hear that as the action of, um, of grace on us, right? Mm -hmm. That we're drenched in God's um, loving kindness and mercy. Mm -hmm. Over time, smooths out some of the rougher edges, mm -hmm. say, and the ground is softened so that it might come to uh, bear fruit. It's like sort of like a sort of proto parable of the sower mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Which again, like we're made into good ground. We're made yeah. into good, like that. Even the softening of the ground is God's work. Mm -hmm. Right, because yeah. I'm oh, I guess I'm just somebody who's got a rocky heart, because right. then I gotta work, work really hard to soften my heart. Yeah, I have to make good soil. Then God, then God will can be present in me. All that. Yeah. Right. And it's funny how you know people will say, "Well, there's no grace in the Old Testament." Well, it's like all over the place, obviously. Uh -huh. But like yeah. that's clearly showing you that. Even the softening of the ground, uh, yeah. the breaking up of the rocks and the cutting down of the thistles, shooing away of the birds that are eating the seed, that's, even that is God's work, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just, just thinking. I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know, I always hear uh, Philippians 2, 5 to 11. The kenosis, the canonic hymn, the, the Christ pattern. Being poured out as a libation, self-emptying? Correct. Um, so that there's this encounter with the risen Christ, there's conversion. It's like going away into the desert <laughs> for three years or so, and trying to, and talks to other Christians there who are hanging out. Like he's checking his experience. Like mm -hmm. what, what? What is this? Trying to live into it or integrate it, um, make sense of it. Uh, But then this this kind of like 
the closer Paul grows in relationship uh, to with uh, the risen Christ, the more his life comes to resemble the one he follows after and calls Lord, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> Christ poured out and Paul finds himself poured out and spent. Mm -hmm. I think I've said it before, but I, I think that's not the first time she poured oil out on somebody. I'm sure she did it on Jesus, no doubt. But I kind of think what's also happening in her life is that she pours herself out and um, offers what we would now call ministry of presence to whoever she needs. Mm -hmm. Right? She bathes each person who with whom she comes in contact with her uh, poured out as a libation attention. Um, and I think the Christ-likeness or the, 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 the movement towards that in Paul is like uh, forgiving even on the way to the cross, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at my first defense, no one came to my support. They all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Right? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. Because I'm hearing a real groundedness, mm -hmm. even as he is poured out and... Correct. And kind of cut loose from every earthly security. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's full-on, like, Ephesians, like, mm -hmm. rooted and grounded in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that, nothing else. And that allows compassionate response to whatever arises mm -hmm. uh, so when we yeah when we hear poured out as a libation you're like dude I'm trashed I need to crash on the couch and binge Netflix right like I'm poured out as a libation <laughs> or pour me out a libation you know <laughs> no there's but yeah. it's, it's more this like non-grasping uh, canonic poured outedness that <clears throat> is is rooted in God and God alone that allows us to respond appropriately and compassionately to mm -hmm. each person, each situation as it arises, like to each according to its mm -hmm. need kind of thing. echo of the message being proclaimed to all people mm -hmm. that the Gentiles might hear it yes. the message might be fully proclaimed through me mm -hmm. interesting that he contrasts like everybody deserting him but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength too I mean that it's just the same it's the same thing that Joel is getting at just these same patterns of like uh, uh, being 
cast out into some kind of strange desert wilderness mm-hmm. without support that on the face of it seems like a catastrophe but it's right in the midst of that that mm-hmm. God makes God's presence felt and known mm-hmm. yeah I hear a real confidence and trust in that of course yeah. I fought the good fight I finished the race I've kept the faith not from any merit of his own Paul mm-hmm. would be quick to this claim right. uh, but he yeah he's he's confident that he stands where the Lord stands not because of what he's done but because the Lord stood by me notes yet to know whether a rescue from the lion's mouth whether that's speaking metaphorically there or or actually (laughs) Paul really saw it all he really did and so when he says like rejoice in your suffering it's not yes this this ain't no happy clappy yeah you know the man who sang in chains for, for real, yeah. yeah. Gospel? Yeah. Okay. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Yeah, interestingly, it was the Feast of St. Luke I got yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I was noticing, actually, I would love to go look up the, the Greek on this, but I started, just started, sort of like Rolodexing through my mind, like the number of times you get standing far off. In Luke? Mm-hmm. I mean, he has this whole dynamic of gathering and scattering. Mm-hmm. Towards Jerusalem, out back to the whole world. Yeah, and it's Christ who gathers and Satan who scatters, and then and there's all these instances of, <clears throat> far offness, like there's the public in here. And sometimes it's literally far off, like the prodigal, far off. The lepers mm-hmm. are standing far off and calling out. Um, and then there's like other kinds of far offness, like the Good Samaritan like on the other side. The road. Where's the chaos on the tree that Jesus comes to? Up, out, up a tree out on a limb, like all that. Uh, blind Bartimaeus. So it's, it's kind of, it's interesting that 
dynamic here, uh, and, and it's the that the the Lucan reversal, the you know the great reversal is always that the the ones who think they're close are actually far off, and the ones who are far off are actually close. I've been drawn near. Yeah. yeah. I was reading something by the. What do you call the head of the Carmelite order? Something general of the. Anyway. Prior? Joseph. Yeah. Joseph Chalmers was his name. <laughs> uh, and he said something like uh, Jesus has great, great patience for human frailty. Uh, but very little patience for self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, trust, trusting in, in oneself. Uh, you're trusting in God and you make mistake after mistake. Well, welcome to the human race, right? <laughs> there's no perfect people. There's only forgiven sinners, right? But when we trust in ourselves and our own efforts and... Uh, hold others in contempt because they don't do it as well as we do. Uh, that's what gets singled out for kind of like relentless rebuke from Jesus because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's actually what uh, insulates us against grace. Yeah. As far as that's possible. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the psalm. To you that hear prayer, all, shall all flesh come because of their transgressions, in their weakness, in their need. But if you we can come no, to God. But if you have no transgressions or think you don't, that's, that's harder. I have kept these since my youth. Yeah. Good teacher. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus looks at him, loves, loves him, him. <laughs> has compassion <laughs> on him, this poor fool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's, it's a, mm. a very interesting to me how just admitting your human frailty and your need for God and your inability to do it perfectly, um, that that becomes the doorway for God to do God's work in and through you, me. I mean, then it, it starts to actually make sense that this is an easy yoke. Yeah. And that there might be rest in Jesus, you know. But I kind of, I have a rather tortured relationship with this whole thing, because like, I, 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 when I was in my 20s, I remember hearing um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talking all about costly discipleship and cheap grace. Mm -hmm. And I translated that into trying really, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. Never missing an office, morning prayer, evening mm. prayer. Yeah. 
making sure I was spending time in silence regularly, you know. My work was with the uh, kids in the inner city schools in Philly, so I was like, okay, well, that's my... You know, I, mm -hmm. I ticked every box, you know. And, uh, and uh, I couldn't understand what um, the easy yoke could be. Because mm -hmm. it seemed really, really hard and it seemed like I had to be really vigilant. Otherwise, uh, I was fooling myself and living in a world of cheap grace mm -hmm. which is what puts crosses on the other side of the fence in Auschwitz right <laughs> literally <laughs> like you know you, you've got to so yeah I, and so I think it's kind of interesting to sort of sit with sit with that I mean, I was thinking to myself that, like, if discipleship seems tiring, tiresome, then maybe it's me and my efforts at the center of it. I mean, not to say it's not going to be a narrow gate and that everything I hold on to has to be surrendered and stripped have away. to die. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there is all that. <laughs> but the tiring and tiresome part, I think, uh, only arises when I think it's my work. <laughs> Rather than uh, God's work in me. On God's own time. Mm-hmm. And there's no worry that God won't do God's work. No. <laughs> My word will not return to me empty. It does what I send it for. Exactly. Do. And, you know, like all this fretting, like, well, I only got two of the seven gifts of the Spirit. Like, you know, what I got, you know, whatever, I got a lot more hours in the, sure. what, you know, like all that yeah. craziness. Yeah. I mean, uh, it goes out the window. Yeah. What God needs uh, from us so that God can work God's will through us, will be given by God in God's own time. So, mm -hmm. stop. Mm -hmm. What is ultimately a project of uh, self-concern. Mm -hmm. A way to justify ourselves, that it's on our own merits. Yeah. That they are righteous yeah, yeah, yeah. and trust in themselves. Yeah. But it's, and it's, all of our spiritual disciplines can oh get co-opted into it, yeah, right? No, exactly. It's so easy. No, and it's just all, and it just it becomes this way of um, yeah, heightening the focus on the self when you're actually just supposed to mm -hmm. drop it, mm -hmm. so that you can be available to the other. You know, Christ coming to you in, and that's the other. Like, and meanwhile, you're worried about your phylactery. Or whatever. Yeah. It's just interesting. You know, I heard a sermon once with a person who said, Thank God we're not like that Pharisee. <laughs> and it was all tight. 
highly ironic. Because uh-huh. we are. And I, and I think, like, yeah. I think fully inhabiting the, the place of the, the Pharisee and, and figuring out, well, how, how can this be true of me? Mm-hmm. Like, how, does, how is this operative in my spiritual life, my life of discipleship? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really important. And then, and then publican, too, but, like, but being able to see each of those characters... Uh, as showing us something about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recommend reading Capon, so zinger on this, but. <laughs> Basically says that the guys that swindler, a crook, and a adulterer drinks expensive scotch with money he's bilked knows he's got nothing to show in terms of like any kind of like spiritual Virtue. qualities, virtues and mm-hmm. just says, you know, have mercy on them and God does mm-hmm. and then Capon says now, and this is where We don't like this parable because uh, what if the person, the tax collector, did the exact same thing Monday morning, starting Monday morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, and showed up. Would God have any less love or mercy for him then than. Yeah. than before? And Kevin's like, no. And then he goes into this whole little rap about how we want to see some improvement, mm-hmm. some amendment of life, some. Now that you've been forgiven, now you're not a sinner anymore, right? <laughs> no, Wait. seriously, yeah, yeah, it's like that. And then, yeah. uh, sort of like the the sermon I heard also, where you know the the prodigal son's welcome back, but this time he's got he's got he's got a limit on his credit card, right? Yeah tough you know I've only walked out of church a couple times and that was once that was <laughs> one of those times but it was spending limit and you know maybe he had to have like facial recognition software when he used the credit card or thumbprint you know, uh-huh. make sure it was a breathalyzer on his car some yeah. it was like it was all these yeah which is you know just basically creating God and very twisted our unforgiving image correct yeah yeah And yet, and yet, God's mercy mm-hmm. to us sinners when we acknowledge our sin does change us. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's not a self-improvement. It's not a check back in every week. Look, I fixed all this. It's, I don't know. It's, it's not... Always upward trending. Yeah. Pharisaical perfection. Right. No, but it's like, yeah, it's like, it's kind of the genius of the 12 steps, I think, like mm-hmm. the admission of powerlessness mm-hmm. and then the change that is worked in us as a result of that recognition, of embrace our of our powerlessness and need.
not a mistake, obviously, that uh, prayer of the publican and Bartimaeus from the roadside. Um, those are the two scriptural warrant, obviously, for the for the, the Jesus prayer for the Jesus prayer. which, um, you know, you don't have to say 34,000 times a day, as it says in Way of the Pilgrim. In fact, I recommend probably not, not doing that. You might make yourself a little bit crazy. But, but this reminder of our constant need for uh, God's grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the constant immediate availability correct. of that grace and mercy. Yeah. There's never a time where not in need of it, and every time we're apart from it. Mm-hmm. Right. The baths shall overflow with wine and oil. Yeah. It's all poured out as a libation constantly. The early rains. Yep. Right. The river of God is full of water. Yeah, and the, just the other, the last thing was the uh, two men went up to the temple to pray, right? Two people went up to the temple to pray. Um, so I don't know how long it took me before I, I was like, oh, this is a teaching on prayer. <laughs> you know, like, it's so obvious. But like, for years, I didn't pay any, it was, it's just like, well, there's, this kind of a person and that kind of a person. Mm-hmm. But what Jesus seems to be getting at is like it's very easy to approach our life of prayer in this way. Mm-hmm. Successful performance of prescribed acts mm-hmm. or standing far off in our weakness, powerlessness, and need and calling on the Lord. Right? Those are two mm-hmm. very different ways of approaching our prayer. Are we exalting ourselves in prayer or humbling ourselves in prayer? Yeah, or what Ruth Burroughs would say, uh, it's like my new favorite quote, but beware of making a success of your prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like, uh, that, that's a good indicator that we've got ourselves in our efforts in our work and our image, mm-hmm. maintenance of our carefully crafted spiritual image at the center of it rather than just calling out. This follows on the parable of the persistent widow, which ends with that last line, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Mm-hmm. goes immediately into this with the Pharisee and the publican. And hmm. So, so partly it's showing us what, what does faith on earth look like? Faith on earth look like. It's not people who do everything right and brag about it and or trust in themselves. And regard others with contempt because of their supposed faith. Right. It's people who are so weak and have nothing in themselves and call out to God from that honest uh, dwelling in that uh, Poverty. 
that strange democratic level playing field of real charity and forgiven sinners right Mm -hmm. Um, I do recommend checking out with this book got blown up by the uh, pandemic but we were doing it um, a book study on uh, Peter Butenev's book How to Be a Sinner Mm -hmm. and uh as these things go, I got turned on to it because Rowan Williams wrote the blurb on the back. And I was like, oh, well, if Rowan wrote the blurb, then... There we go. Uh, but yeah, there's this... He does a really nice job of sort of threading the needle of how we can uh, reclaim the idea of, of, of a sinner. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, be honest, like most Episcopalians bristle at that language. Mm-hmm. want to have nothing to do with it but how we can reclaim it in a healthy way mm-hmm. uh, without... Without shame. Without shame, right? Um, um, and without sort of like the, uh, the opposite end of the spectrum is the spiritual po- uh, posturing that comes with, well, I'm the worst sinner of all. You know, <laughs> people who sign their emails with like, you know, the worst sinner, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, Gonna edit my signature line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really good book, How to Be a Sinner, mm-hmm. um, and 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 he gets to this. Like it's actually a, a way to know and taste the the easy yoke, mm-hmm. um, and to uh, experience sort of freedom beyond um, maintenance of. Sham self identity. A way to receive or lay hold on grace, which is not cheap but free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freely given. Yeah. 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 That's a story for another time, <laughs> Mr. Bonhoeffer. <laughs>